series is going to be called The Heartbeat of Hope, and what we're going to look at over the next couple of months are some of the things that are really crucial, really key to what we believe God is doing here through our church body and in our church body, some of the things that we really value, and we're going to be casting some vision toward where we sense uh, the Lord sending us as a church. And so where else can we start when it comes to this kind of thing where we're looking at what's important to us as a people? Uh, the best place maybe to start is with the theme, Imperfect People Belong, right? Now, how many of you have noticed our sign out on the street? It says it worded a little differently than that. Can anybody tell me what that sign on the street out there says? Ooh, very nice, very nice. And so that includes at least me. Anybody else that includes the... Okay, so we got a few perfect people that are breaking the rules here. You're not supposed to be in the room here. But it's, it's pretty fun because I have asked so many people over the two years that I've been here. Initially, I was just supposed to be here helping out for a little while. But over this time, when new people come to Hope and I get the privilege of meeting them or, or connecting or talking, lots of times I'm like, hey, how did you end up coming to Hope? How did you end up landing here? And I'll tell you, I've been so surprised. I'm still surprised, even though I've seen this again and again. So many people say, well, you know, something along the lines of, well, you know, I was, um, I just drive by that sign out there all the time. And I'd think, you know what, if, if I was going to go to a church, that sounds like a church where maybe I could give it a try. And I tell you what, that is such a cool thing. Has that been a factor for anybody? Was that sign anybody here? Anybody raise your hand and just admit, yeah, there's a handful of us, Right. I think it is so incredible and so um, amazing because, now, I've been around a lot of churches that use lots of different slogans or ways to try to communicate who they are. You know, there's churches that say, come as you are, but then if you come as you are, um, you find out real quick that that's just on the sign, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, but one of the wonderful things that I have found about this church body is that that sign is not just a slogan for us. It really reflects the heart of who we are here at Hope. You, you really can come here as you are um, and admit that you are not perfect. Hope is a place where everyone is welcome. And at Hope, you can actually come here as you are. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend because here at Hope, we're not a bunch of uptight, posing, phony, religious people, right? We are real people living out our real and imperfect lives, following a real God. That's the environment here, friends. It's an environment where imperfect people belong. And what we know, we that have been around here and we that lead the church here, what we know happens in an environment like this is that people do come and they find a place where they can be honest about their lives. They can be honest about their different struggles and they can find a place where they can, you know, like stop hiding. They don't have to fake it. They don't have to pretend. And in a place like that where you don't have to be phony, your heart can actually start to heal. <laughs> you can actually start to be strengthened. You can be made whole. And in a place where you don't have to hide, um, people begin to grow. And we know, right? We know. Like, we begin to grow, but if we mess up, which we do, um, it's okay. Because we really do trust here that grace is amazing, right? That the love of God is powerful 
and that his love will bring healing to every hurt, every habit, every hang-up that we have. Now, in, in a future week, I'm going to say, I'm going to clarify something. This, you know, imperfect people belong or no perfect people allowed thing. Um, I, I'm going to skip over part of this, uh, Suzette. But, but it, it doesn't mean like, hey, anything goes. You can just come and forever just be destructive and be unhealthy and really disrupt the community. No, no, because we do want to be a safe place. So we'll talk about more of that in another week. But the truth is, um, we are all people that are in process. And so we will blow it, right? Because we're all imperfect. That's not, though, an excuse to keep, you know, not addressing issues, especially when people are being destructive to others in the community here. So, because um, sometimes, you know, that happens and, and that's where we, some of the leaders here, have to deal with some of those pieces. But again, that does not discount that this is a place where imperfect people belong. Now, the Bible matters so much to us here at Hope. In fact, we didn't just get that as a slogan. The, the, the statement that we've made is, is drawn from watching the life of Jesus. See, Jesus looked at people that were imperfect and he loved and served them. And so we pull that idea out of scripture, out of the model of the life of Jesus. And scripture matters so much to us here at Hope. Everything we do is drawn from scripture and supported by scripture. And here's the deal. If you uh, read the Bible, you don't have to read it very long. You don't even have to read it very much before you realize this core truth. And here's the core truth, that people matter to God. And someone might ask, well, which people matter to God? Well, all people matter to God. And how much do they matter to God? More than you can possibly imagine. See, people are so important to God. They are so worthy to God. They were worth so much to God that he gave his only son, Jesus, to die for us. So people matter an awful lot to God. In fact, I want us to read this next slide out loud. And let's try, I'm getting a little ring up here. Um, we're going to read this next slide out loud together. Um, read with me here. People, ready? People matter to God, therefore people matter to us. Which people matter to us? All people matter to us. How much do they matter to us? More than they can possibly imagine. Because we want to reflect the heart of Jesus for all people. And you know, it's amazing when you think about where people are at in terms of whether they seem like they're wanting to be close to God or whether they're kind of on that religious um, continuum of some sort or even where their spiritual journey is. Because when you watch the life of Jesus, one of the fascinating things that you'll notice about Jesus is that he was like closest to the heart of God of anybody who's ever lived. He's closest to God he even said, I and the Father are one, which is, you know, pretty close, right? That's as close as you can get. So he's really close to God. But people who seem the farthest from God, they're the ones that flocked to him the most. Like, like just think about, Jesus lived this perfect life. Yet people that were farthest, they were farthest from that perfect life that Jesus lived. You look at their life and they were way different than that. These imperfect people, they wanted to be closest to him. These imperfect people who you would say, wow, they are maybe the most ungodly people around, they wanted to be around the most godly person who ever lived. And it, it almost sounds 
strange or odd, doesn't it? Like Jesus comes and people just flocked to him, especially those who realized, hey, I need Jesus, right? I've got some brokenness in my life. And Jesus spent so much of his time here on earth, so much of his ministry, making sure that that truth was really clear to people. In fact, he was correcting this rigid religious posture of the day, and he wanted to make sure it was really clear that imperfect people belong and that he has a heart for everyone. Like things had gotten so backwards, if you read through the scriptures, that by the time that Jesus came to earth, the religious people of the day had lost track of God's heart for for broken, lost, imperfect, hurting people. Like the people that were saying they were the religious folks of the day, they 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 thought the goal was for us to live perfect, sinless lives. But here's the deal. Like nobody besides Jesus, nobody can live a perfect, sinless life. Like we all blow it. But these religious leaders of the day, like, they realized that, but they weren't going to give up their, you know, their outside facade. They just construct this environment where they pretended to be perfect. And they judged other people to kind of deflect attention from them to point and say, well, these folks are really messed up. Because they didn't want people to notice their mask, their religious mask. They didn't want people to see the real them, this imperfect, broken stuff in the lives of these religious leaders who were supposed to be, you know, living these sinless lives. And friends, religion just, it does that. It did that back then. It does it today. When we follow religion, it's all about faking. It's about performing. It's all these pressures to conform and pretend you got it together, even if you don't. See, religion's all about who is in and who is out. And the people that are like me, well, of course, we're the in crowd and everyone else, well, they're the out crowd. And Jesus came then, just like he does today, and he confronts that stuff. He just turns it upside down. And and they got really angry at Jesus for messing with their categories. They got really angry, and Jesus knows that eventually they will kill him for it. But still, Jesus doesn't give in. Like, like, he, he won't compromise with the religious posers. And I love that about Jesus. There's one chapter, Luke chapter 15, where Jesus tells three stories about lost things. And he tells this story because he wants both groups, both the religious folks and he wants the so-called, you know, sinners to know that, that God's love, his concern, that God's care is for everyone, especially people who feel imperfect, especially people who, who are lost or feel far from God. And this is this chapter here before I read from it. It's truly one of the great, like one of my favorite moments from Jesus' ministry. And we don't really have time to read the whole chapter. So this week I encourage you to read through Luke chapter 15. But I'm going to read the first few verses and then kind of summarize each of the stories. I want to set the stage here and then kind of sum it up for us. So Luke chapter 15, verse 1, sets the stage. Here's the scene. Try to imagine this. It says, now... The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, muttered, This man, he welcomes sinners. He he eats with them. And so into that scene of that tension with both groups in the room, Jesus tells a parable. He told them this parable. Now, again, both groups are there, right? The sinners, you know, and Jesus launches into these 
stories which are like some of my favorite stories, and I won't read the whole thing and explain them all because, you know, there's like lunch after church and football, right? So um, we can try to have a football game up on the screen, by the way. So, so I'll, better, I'll, I'll hurry up a little bit here. Um, but we look at the passage here, that's right here, and, and they're gathering around Jesus, and you wonder, before this whole thing gets rolling, before they start muttering, you wonder like, hey, wow, here's all these people that aren't perfect. Like maybe the religious leaders, maybe one or two of them at least would have thought, wow, instead of hiding or avoiding Jesus, these, you know, these known sinners, they're actually wanting to be around Jesus. What's that about? Like, wouldn't you think that anybody that claimed to know God would, would, would maybe rejoice? Like, wow, these people here that have made a mess of their lives, now they're interested in God, they're around Jesus? But sadly, and predictably, because this happens all over the New Testament, all over the stories about Jesus, they are not excited. The religious people are not excited at all. They get ticked off at Jesus for showing love and showing acceptance to these imperfect people, which then in turn ticks Jesus off, which I love about Jesus, right? He never gets ticked off or sideways with anybody except for the religious people, right? So religious people get ticked off and Jesus then in turn is ticked at them because he knows if these religious folks that say they knew the heart of God, really knew the heart of God, they would rejoice when I'm around these folks and that these people come to me. They wouldn't grumble. They wouldn't criticize. So Jesus confronts all that heart of this judgmental religious elite stuff with these three stories. Here's my summary of those stories. The first story is a story about lost sheep. And I'll put it up on the screen and I'll just summarize it. What happens here? You got a guy with 100 sheep which would have been a lot of sheep, so this is a wealthy guy, and he loses one of these hundred sheep. Now, the religious guys hearing this story would have been thinking, well, <laughs> stupid sheep, it's an idiot for wandering away, right? And this guy finds his stupid sheep, and so what? Big deal, right? But the owner of the sheep apparently cares very much about the sheep, so much so that he goes after the sheep and leaves the other ones behind. And this demonstrates a, a heart of compassion, a heart of care. And then Jesus connects the dots. He connects the dots to what God's heart looks like. And that when someone is lost, like these tax collectors and sinners are lost, and when those lost people get found by God, Jesus says, all of heaven rejoices over them because lost people matter to God. They matter to his heart. Then he tells another story about a woman. This woman probably was an older woman, and she would have lost a coin, and that's not a lot of coins. And listen, she loses a coin, right? And the story's about the coin and about the woman, but, like, I lose stuff all the time. Anybody here have a hard time keeping track of their keys? Right? Oh, thank you. I'm not alone. Imperfect people. Right? I... I tell you what, sometimes I'll confess this. Now, this one, I'm sure there's less of you. I might be the only one in the room. You ever get mad at your keys when you've lost them? Like, stupid keys, right? Anybody besides me? Okay, okay, a couple of us, right? A couple of us. We'll get some counseling together later. But here's the truth. Like, is it my keys' fault when they get lost? No. No, yeah, right. No, no, the answer is no, right? My keys are lost. Uh, someone, I'm sure it wasn't me. <clears throat> I won't blame, you know, Heidi or Noah or my dog, but, but no, like it's usually me, to be honest, right? 
It's the same thing with losing the coin in this story. It's not the coin's fault that it's lost. And you know what? I think Jesus is pointing out, hey, some people get lost. Maybe it's, maybe it's not necessarily their fault either. Life or something, or maybe they weren't raised around the love of God for whatever reason. When they get found... They're not wandering away. They didn't go off. They just were lost. And when they get found, when they turn to God, Jesus says, all the angels in heaven rejoice. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Pharisees, it's a big deal. (laughs) And then he tells my favorite story in all of scripture about this rebellious son who intentionally, he didn't just get lost. He didn't just wander off like the sheep. He intentionally rebels. He gets lost. He runs away. He screws up big time. And some of us can relate to this, right? Some of us can relate to this in our own stories. Or maybe we have a a kid or a family member who has wandered away from God. We can relate to this story in so many ways. And when you read the whole story, and if you know the story of the prodigal, we call it the prodigal son. um, But does God, when that son returns, does God, you know, push them out, punish them? Does he condemn that son when the son comes back home? No. Jesus says to the Pharisees and to encourage the you know, so-called sinners, he says in this story that when a rebel returns, instead of being punished, God throws a party. Whew, such good stuff. Now here's the deal out of that. Maybe you identify in a couple ways. Maybe you're somebody that hasn't begun to follow Jesus yet. Maybe you identify with the lost coin or sheep or son who took off. Maybe the son that took off and and you need to come home to God. Um, And if you identify with that, it's really good news. It's really good news because God is not mad at you. God wants you to return to him, to come home. That's his invitation. So if you identify with those, God's not mad at you, right? Now, if you are somebody that we would maybe even call already found, like if you've already decided to follow Jesus, here's the good news for you. You get to be on the search team, right? If you call yourself a Christian, if you say that I'm a follower of Jesus, there really are only two teams. There's the search E's, those that are lost, and there are the searchers, and that's you and me. We are the searchers if we are followers of Jesus. Now, the problem is, back then and even now, religious people like the Pharisees here, they have this idea that there's actually a third team, right? The third team would be, yeah, 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 you know, we're the in crowd. We're good church people. So we're just, you know, we're respectable. We're the, we're the spectators. We're the watchers. We're the critics. And church needs to be done my way to meet my needs with people who are just like me. That's that mythical third team they seem to be imagining. And I think that sadly we see some of that in different places and different churches still today. Um, But here's the problem with that third team idea of critics and consumers. Um, Jesus is not a fan of that, not at all. Not at all. In fact, in the Bible, the only people that Jesus ever argues with or, or, or really comes hard after 
are the people of that religious kind of third team. These religious people who judge and condemn others, who separate people into us and them, that's who Jesus gets sideways with. See, it's two teams. It's the team that's being searched for, the search ease, and those of us who are followers of Jesus are assisting him in being the searchers. We're on the search team. And so Jesus looks around his life, his world, his people. He sees all these people who are not connected to God. All these people back then and today who, who feel lost, who feel far from God. And back then, Jesus would eat meals with them, with, with tax collectors, with, with prostitutes, with you know, supposedly called sinners. And he does it because he wants to introduce them to a life with God, to this father who loves them and is crazy about them. Sadly, if you've read any of these stories, when you see the religious folks, who again, you wish would understand and get it, um, the religious elite don't get it. They complain, they criticize Jesus. This man welcomes sinners. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus welcome sinners? Why? Because he couldn't not. Right? He, he couldn't not. Because people matter to God. And which people? All people. <laughs> See, you've never seen a person who doesn't matter to God. You've never seen a person that doesn't matter to God even more than you can imagine, whether they're religious people or irreligious people. See, a lot of times, people that we would look at, those of us that have been around the church, maybe we look at some folks and go, well, they're sinners, right? We think they're not godly. And I think that maybe the people that we would see as sinners or godly look a lot different to us than they do to God. And again, we see this all over the place in scripture, especially with Jesus, right? Jesus was a, a, a rabbi, a teacher, and he would welcome people that no other rabbi, no other religious teacher would welcome. He would, he, you look at the stories in scripture, he welcomed Roman centurions. They were the enemy. He welcomed adulterous women, lepers, prostitutes, Gentiles, people that weren't of his people group, didn't look like him. He welcomed cheats. He welcomed the demon-possessed. In fact, when Jesus is dying on the cross, he welcomes the thief on the cross who's dying next to him. And then it's so beautiful because when Jesus rises from the dead, he gives you and I his mission to do what we've just seen him do. We get to welcome people just like Jesus did. Like, like we get to do what he did. We get to give our lives to help, help the lost people get found. See, today Jesus is looking for people. He's still looking for people who love God so much that they will do anything to help other people get connected to God. So Christians, again, you are on the search team. And again, there's really, there's only two teams, right? There's the searchers, that's all of us who call ourselves Christians, and the search ease, the folks that have not yet decided to follow Jesus, that we are helping to find and bring to Jesus. And friends, we have to remember, this is so cool, that we get to be his church. You and I are called the body of Christ, so we get to do what his body did when he was here. We carry it out now. We imperfect people, we get to continue his legacy, his heart to invite imperfect everybody into relationship with him.
And so who is welcome? Like, who is welcome here at Hope? Let me get a little bit specific here. Who's welcome at Hope? What believers and unbelievers, skeptics and mockers are welcome here. Um, Republicans are welcome here and Democrats. I know that's the biggest stretch. <laughs> Give me a minute here, right? And some of you, one's the stretch and the other's the stretch. That's what's really fun, right? But young people are welcome here and old people. We are a multi-generational church. Let's embrace it and love it, young and old. Uh, people in suits are welcome and people in jeans and shorts are welcome here. People with wrinkled skin and people with tattooed skin and people with every skin color, people of every language are welcome here. Respectable people are welcome here and shady people or addicted or messed up people are welcome here. Straight people and gay people, transgendered people are welcome here. Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, Jewish, humanist, and I don't know what I am people belong and are welcome here at Hope. Single people, amen. Single people and married people and divorced people, you're all welcome here. And, And every imperfect person who is honest enough to know that life is messy and that you need God and I need God, everyone is welcome here at Hope. That's our church. And friends, it's because we want to reflect the heart of Jesus, right? And what he's done for us. And if you've been a part of the Hope family for any length of time, you know that this for years has been centered, like the core of who we are around here. I'm telling you, this family, this church here, when I came to first visit, is amazing at loving and accepting people that come through our doors. And listen, I know we don't always do it perfectly. Like sometimes we miss it or somebody doesn't get connected or they feel offended or hurt and we blow it as a staff and sometimes we don't do it. But I'm telling you what, most of the time, the vast majority of the time, the people of hope here do that so well because it's who we are. Like we've learned to love people right where they're at. We've learned to extend grace and welcome to those around us. I mean, you guys are so good at noticing new folks and talking to them, not like weirding them out and like overpressuring, but just enough, right? You just kind of, right? Don't want to be that weird in your face, you know, close talker guy that doesn't know personal space, right? We, hopefully we don't have too many of those, but um, I could be one of them, I don't know. Um, But I am so, so proud of this Hope family. We do this thing so well because it's hard, right? If somebody comes to try out the church and check it out, it's it's a risk. We visited a church in Ireland, which was kind of fun because I could just be anonymous, but it was uncomfortable. And I'm a pastor. It was just like, oh, weird, what's going to happen? I can't imagine how hard it is for people that come. And so when somebody comes here, we have to know, holy smokes, this took a lot for people that come in and check it out. We need to be honored by that and, and continue to welcome folks. And another great thing about the environment here at Hope is that when people come, um, they notice that the presence of God really is here. It's, it's like palpable. I mean, I think of someone uh, here in our church that um, recently told me probably a few weeks ago, she'd been out of town taking care of some family emergency stuff. And when she came back, I think she used the words that when she came in, she just oh, felt like a breath of fresh air. She could feel the love of Jesus through the people of hope right when she came through the doors. Um, or, or another example, somebody last week um, that used to be a part of Hope, but now they're helping another church get stable. Um, But they were having a rough day, probably a rough couple of weeks. 
feeling like a failure and lost and confused and just needed to get out of the house, went for a drive and said, somehow I just found myself here and just sat out in our parking lot. Nobody was here. It was like a Sunday middle afternoon and nobody was here. And they said, they said, it just makes sense that this is where I would come because this is where God has met me so many times, so many times. This is where we've experienced God's grace, his presence, his comfort, so many times that even in our parking lot, they sense that. And what's so cool is that it's in our DNA, you guys, right? Because hope is a place where imperfect people belong. This is a place of amazing grace, a place where God moves, a place where lives change. And it's been that way, not just since I've been around, it's been that way for decades here. I mean, you think of this, if you're new to hope, maybe you don't know, and we'll have Pastor Dwayne speaking sometime in the next few months here, but Pastor Dwayne Cross, yeah, he came to hope um, in the early 2000s, and he tells this great story. He's very open about it. When he came here, He had just taken three years off of being a pastor in order to get some help and counseling and to get free from a gambling addiction. And so he was probably around 50 years old and he got a second chance and he came here. And I'll tell you, when I had heard that about Hope while I was pastoring at another church across town, I thought that was pretty amazing because most churches won't take that risk. They see it as this this risk that this imperfect pastor, which by the way, all of us are imperfect, um, but this one who admitted his failures and then took, had the integrity to take the time out of being a pastor, take a few years off for him to get healthy and heal and recover, and then was willing to come back in. A lot of churches would be like, yeah, good for you, a little golf clap, but not us, no thanks. But Hope, this church, had it in our DNA to say, all right, let's see what God does. Let's see what God does. And that's why this church in our DNA, we know that God is a God of second chances. And, and when someone repents and does the hard work of recovery, people that, that we would think are disqualified, God then qualifies and does amazing things. And that's where this whole no perfect people statement took root under the years that Dwayne led us for about 15 years where hope just grew and thrived. And then, if you know the story of the church and maybe new folks, you don't. Um, We went through a transition for a time. Uh, Pastor Paul came to be the pastor at Hope. Uh, He and I became friends. Uh, He got sick and asked me to come and, and help and we lost him far too soon. Now, most churches... Many churches would maybe go to their denomination and go, okay, we need like a a safe, experienced, seasoned pastor to just kind of jump in. And I hope that I'm all of those things, but but I am still learning, admittedly. And by the way, if you know me, you know I learn the hard way oftentimes, right? Um, but, But both our church, both our leaders here at Hope and our denominational leaders decided to take a chance again. I'm just so grateful. So grateful. Because I'd gone through a divorce um, and took a number of years off. Thought I was probably never gonna work in a church again. Definitely not lead a church. 
Um, I thought I was disqualified. But God takes the disqualified and makes them qualified, even in imperfect, divorced pastor. And yeah. So hope, this is us, and that's not normal, but at a church um, where we say no perfect people allowed on our sign on the street, it actually works, right? (laughs) No perfect people, no perfect pastors, no perfect anybody's. That's in our DNA because we are real, we are honest, and we believe that grace really is amazing. And the grace, the amazing grace that we've received, we give to others. And friends, it's going to be more and more, it's going to be time for us to continue getting real serious and looking even harder about what that means, about how the grace we have received is the same grace we're going to invite others into the love of Jesus with. I mean, here's where we're at in the life of our church right now. We've been in transition and crisis. We are out of that season now, and God is calling us to follow him into this new season where he really is on the move, where God is moving, where he is at work, and he's at work through you and through me, and and he's inviting you and I to invite other people into his family. So people of hope, are you in? Like, will you each... If this is your church home, will you each be intentional about joining the search team? Uh, Looking for lost sheep or lost sons and daughters? Uh, Will you you start leading small groups? Will you jump in and and help with Alpha? Will Will you volunteer and help once a month in our kids' ministry so that when people who have kids come here, they can be a part of this and have a safe place for their kids to learn about Jesus? Will you once a month come and help with our kids or with our youth? Will you help them out so mom and dads can find Jesus and their kids can find Jesus? Because friends, family here, hope. Uh, We can't do it unless we're all in. So I'm asking God to speak to each of us. Now, I want to shift for a second as we move to our close because um, maybe you're new to this. Uh, Maybe you're new to this. Maybe this is one of your first times here or you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus yet. Um, My hope is that when you heard me talk about all that stuff about who we are as a church and what we want to be and what do we want it to look like and why it's so crucial, I hope that you go, wow, okay, okay, maybe I want to hang around and be a part of what God's doing here. And I hope it builds hope in your heart um, that maybe you too could become a part of a church where that stuff happens. But, But hear me, while I would love for you to become a part of our church, I'd love that. That's not my main objective here. It's not the most important thing this morning. The most important thing, if you are new to faith, if you are new to to, um, church, if you haven't decided yet to follow Jesus, the most important thing is that you would decide today to receive Jesus into your life. See, because this same Jesus that I talked about earlier with some of the stories of how he loved people who had sin and hurts and hangups, that same Jesus back in the Bible is the same Jesus who offers you his love, his forgiveness today. He loves you right now as you are, just as you are. Even before you stop doing the stuff that you know is damaging and hurtful and you're like, I gotta clean up my act and then I'll come to Jesus. No, 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 no. Jesus loves you right now as you are, just as you are. 
And friends, Jesus is here with us. His presence is here right now with us. He's offering us love and life. He, he, he invites you, if you've not made this decision, to cross the line of faith to follow him, to, to open up your life to him, to give your life to Jesus. And Jesus reaches out, and I believe he's doing this right now, to offer his love to people like you and me who are not perfect. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, Jesus says, I want you to follow me. So will you say yes to Jesus? Will you say yes to Jesus today, to following Jesus? And I wanna give you an opportunity to make that decision and to do that uh, right now, to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to his love, to receive him, to follow him, to give your life to him. And um, maybe someone here or someone's here, you've been, you've been wanting to be close to God, but you figured, ah, I gotta get this all cleaned up first. But listen, no, God says you come to me as you are, messed up, confused, without all the answers yet, um, still messing with sin that you know is harmful. Doesn't matter. Jesus says, no, no, you just come to me as you are. And some of us are here this morning and maybe for the first time, Something clicked for you in this hour here. You maybe came looking for God here when you showed up or you knew you needed something more in your life. And the truth is, you know that you don't wanna go another day in your life without God. And so now is your time. Like some of you are here this morning and, and what's happening, you might not have these words, but God is speaking to you. Maybe you wouldn't know how to describe it, but maybe you just sense something in your heart that's being drawn to God that wants to say, okay, yes, to Jesus. Yes, I need Jesus. And some of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Now is your time. Right now is your time. And you're ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe God's tugging at your heart right now and you know it. He's maybe knocking at the door of your heart and this is a crucial moment in your life. And God is calling some of you to make that commitment right now and say yes to Jesus and I wanna give you a chance to do that. So what I wanna do is just ask everybody here, everybody in the room, would you just bow your heads for a moment and I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you've never committed your life to Christ or maybe you feel like that prodigal that needs to come home, I'm gonna pray this prayer. I'm gonna ask you to repeat it after me um, to make that decision right now. In fact, I'm gonna say these words out loud, and I'm gonna ask everybody, let's all of us in the room pray these words out loud to encourage those that are making this decision today. Let's pray this out loud. Dear Jesus, I need you. I want to know you. Come live in my heart. Forgive me. Today I choose to follow you. Help me to trust you. Help me believe that you love me. And Jesus, help me love you. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Let's leave our heads bowed for just another moment here. Um, and I'm going to ask you to do something brave. If you prayed that prayer and you committed your life to Christ today, um, 
while everybody else's heads are bowed, their eyes are closed, nobody's looking around, uh, I'm just gonna look across the room. And if you would just wave at me, if you prayed that prayer today, just look up at me and make eye contact or wave at me. I'll start over on your right, my left, and just wave at me if you prayed that prayer. I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you up front or anything. Anybody in the middle here? All right, thank you. Bless you and you. Amen. Anybody on this far side, the left, um, your left, my right? Okay, I see you. Anyone else? Anybody else? Hey, those of you, um, you have all looked up now. I just want to congratulate the three of you that looked up and raised hands to say that you uh, accepted Jesus. I want to congratulate you. You will never make a decision that important again. Never. Your whole life long. Um, And so let's all just give these folks a hand. And um, I'm going to ask you to stand. Our poor worship team had a great song, but I can smell the food. That football team is already playing. If you made that decision, by the way, the three of you, and if there were others and you just didn't, you're just nervous and didn't want to let me know, our prayer team, will you come on up here, prayer team? Um, and they're going to just pray with you for a moment. We'd love to give you a Bible. Uh, maybe get your name to follow up in case you have questions. So when we dismiss in a moment, right up front, because we have something different in the prayer area this week, right up front here, um, come and see these folks, and they would love to pray with you. And real quick, again, table and chair logistics, I trust you guys, you're so smart, you'll figure this out. We're going to tear them down. Tables are in there, we're going to set them up. It's going to be amazing. I hope to see a whole bunch of you back here at 4 o'clock for uh, Lights of Hope this, uh, this afternoon and evening, four o'clock. Um, and, and by the way, when I dismiss in a moment, if you have kids, go get them and then go get lunch. Um, but I want to read this out loud together up on the screen. Um, let's read this again. <sighs> Ready? Here we go. People matter to God. Therefore, people matter to us. Which people matter to us? All people matter to us. And how much do they matter to us? More than they can possibly imagine. So people of hope, will you this week join God's search team looking for lost sons and daughters, inviting them to know the heart of God for them? Will you do that this week? I bless you now in Jesus' name as you go into your world the place that God has created you to inhabit, the place that he's given you to influence as you go into that place and carry his love and mercy and grace to everyone who does not yet know him. And I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Hang around for lunch.